Very good morning, brothers and sisters, friends, those of you who are at home, and those who you, those of who are who are here as well, right? We have a handful of people here, or probably a little bit more than a handful, maybe two handfuls of people here. Welcome to High Point Life. Welcome to this morning service. It's been a joy to be able to worship God together with you this morning. Uh, what a privilege it is! Every every time we come together into the presence of the Almighty God to, to worship Him is indeed such a joy and privilege. Can I get an amen for that? Amen? amen? Yeah? It's a wonderful uh, privilege that we have. Now, as I mentioned just now very briefly, um, or, or, be, or before that, you know, last week, for those of you who remember, we had uh, Sister Marianne speak to us on the significant life, right? And... If you remember, she asked us a very pertinent question, right? Uh, if you remember what the question was, or she asked us a few questions, but there was one pertinent question, right? If you remember what that question was, do type it out in the chat. If you, if you have access to the chat, I want you to type it out in the chat. I want to see whether you have been paying attention last week and uh, you know, whether you remember what, what was spoken to us, Okay. I'll give you three seconds to do that before I tell you what the question was, right? One, two, and three. Now, this was the question that she asked us. What is worth living for and dying for, right? What is worth living for and dying for? All of us are looking for some kind of significance that is worth dedicating our life to, right? Everyone. And that's how human beings are wired. That's how we are wired. And she summed up her message. Marian summed up her message by saying, a life of true significance is one lived worthy of the gospel. A life of true significance is one lived worthy of the gospel. And that was a very profound, powerful statement which, which stirred my heart last week, brothers and sisters. And I pray that, you know, you are someone who has... Uh, you know, as you listen to that message, there's something that, that's been stirring in your heart this past week. And, and the significant life, it can be likened to us, uh, you know, defining what is the vision which drives our lives, okay? The vision which drives our lives. And, and for the Christian, like, the, like what the Apostle Paul says, that vision should be the, none other than the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so today... We continue on this series under this month's theme. Uh, Joel has mentioned that you know, we are on this theme for the month which is called the new life. And, and we want to look at this topic called the purposeful life. Right? So, so we are going to link what Sister Marian shared last week and we are going to take it one step further. We are going to look at the purposeful life. And um, you know, while the significant life would require us to capture a driving vision, I would like to suggest that the purposeful life uh, can be likened to the mission of our lives, right? The very purpose and uh, the, the, the mission of our lives on, on how we can live our lives for Jesus Christ, fully surrendered to Him. So our key verse for today is taken from Colossians 1.16. Colossians 1.16, and you have that on your screens. And I'm reading from the message version, okay? And this is what it says in the message version. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, 
visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Hallelujah. Everything, absolutely everything, whether above or below, the things that we can see, the things that we can't see, even, even the ranks of angels, the angelic forces, everything was started in him and finds its purpose in him. It got started in him and, it's, and it finds its purpose in him. And so the purpose of our life, as, as we read here, is very clear, isn't it? It's not about you and I. It's not about us. Amen? The purpose of our lives is far greater than our own personal fulfillment. It's far greater than even our, our peace of mind. It's far greater than, than our, the happiness that we're looking for. It's far greater than our careers and, and all the ambitions that we have. And so the, the first point for consideration this morning is this. This is the first point. To find your purpose, you must begin with God. To find your purpose, you must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. Can you, can you say that out loud? To find your purpose, you must begin with God. Amen? We must begin with God. Think about it for a moment. For most of us, when we try to find our purpose in lives, or at least for me, I'm not sure about you, but for me, right? For the longest time, when, when I try to find purpose in my life, when I try to, you know, uh, to, to define my starting point, it was always myself, right? And so today, I want this to be a message that we reflect on, right? Not just a message that goes in one year and comes out the other year. Okay, so let us start reflecting as, as God starts speaking to us now. So we, we, we tend to ask very self-centered questions. like, and, and, and the world would say these are good. By the way, the world would say that these are very good questions, right? But if you really think about it, these are very self-centered questions. We, we ask questions like, what are my goals? What are my ambitions? What are my dreams for my future? But brothers and sisters, friends, this verse in Colossians reminds us that we cannot arrive at our life's purposes by starting with a focus on ourselves. Right? We must put Christ in the center and Christ or God must be our starting point. You know, I, I remember, uh, how many of you remember the, the game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yeah? And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this, uh, this part of the show uh, is taken from this game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? If, if you remember that uh, towards the end, right, they will be asked to choose a door where they have to slide down a slide. Do you remember that? And then when they slide down the slide, uh, they, they, you know, they, they'll be going into a, 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 a box full of balls, and then in there, they'll be taking out an envelope, and in, in there, the envelope would, would, would have, uh, you know, whether they want a million dollars or, you know, whether they want something else, right? Okay? But there's only one door. Or oh, is that Wheel of Fortune? Okay. Maybe that's Wheel of Fortune, sorry. <laughs> okay? But there's only one door, right? <laughs> okay? There's only one door 
which, uh, which leads to that ultimate price, correct? And so you have to choose the right starting point, okay? And just like that, in our Christian lives, we need to choose the right, the right starting point if we are going to achieve the abundant life, or if we are going to achieve uh, you know, the, the, the purposeful life, if we are going to uh, achieve the plans that God has for us, right? It has to be uh, you know, with the right starting point. I also remember uh, reading The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, and, and he shared another example. He said that... Um, he said this. He said that there's one time he was hiking. He was hiking along the mountain, right? He was hiking along the mountain and um, he got lost because he was trying to, to, to reach a particular destination and he got lost. He couldn't find the way. And then he met a guide and he asked the guide. He said, hey, uh, you know, I started down this path and that was my starting point and I want to head here. And the guide turned to him and said, oh, sir, you are on the wrong, you're on the wrong track. You, you, you shouldn't have started here. You need to start on the other side of the mountain, right? And, and only when you start on the other side of the mountain will you be able to reach your destination of where you want to go, okay? So, so I want us to just, uh, to, to just remember this, right? Your starting point is very important. It is only in God that we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, for many years as a Christian, you know, I failed to understand this. For many years, I failed to understand this. I used to set all kinds of goals for myself. I used to try and work towards achieving these goals. Uh, and, and certainly, as you put your mind to it, as you use worldly principles, as you, as you set and define your own goals, you will find success. But you are finding success in, through the ways of the world, right? And so some of these goals were met as I did this while others were abandoned along the way. But in all my pursuit of these ambitious goals of mine, I never once found any fulfillment. There was never really true meaning, there was never really true satisfaction, you know. Uh, right after achieving a particular goal, and perhaps you are someone watching today, someone here today who can relate to this, right after achieving a particular goal, right, there might be a short sense of achievement, you know, I remember pursuing my MBA, and uh, I, it took me about a year and a half, almost two years to do it. And when I started on this journey, I was very excited. But the starting point was myself. I felt that I wanted to do something for myself. I wanted to, you know, uh, achieve a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. And once I completed my MBA, and I went for the graduation, and I got this huge, massive certificate, which is this big, right? Uh, perhaps Joel's certificate might be the same because we graduated from the same university, University of South Australia, but mine was massive. I couldn't even frame it up, okay? And uh, I can tell you, brothers and sisters, friends, after two weeks, the sense of achievement was gone. The, the, the sense of, of meaning was gone. And today, that this huge massive certificate is too big to put anywhere. I put it under the wardrobe in my cupboard, and it's just hiding there, and I've never used it since, right? Perhaps I learned a few things on the way. I'm not, I'm not discounting education. Don't get me wrong, okay? But I'm just saying that my starting point, my starting point was, was myself, right? Okay? And, um, and so perhaps you are someone like that today. Have you perhaps set goals and ambitions which you are working towards? And you told yourself that, that life is going to change, that life is going to become meaningful once I achieve these goals and ambitions. You know, parents, what is it 
we are teaching our kids. You know, we tell our kids that you have to make sure that you know you choose the right career path. You you need to do this, you need to do that, and then your life will be all right, right? And very often we we don't get them to have the right starting point, which is, which is God, right? So we have two, two buckets. We have one bucket or one basket for the things of God. And the other one, we say that, no, we need to make our own decisions. And, and, and very often, we, uh, we, we tune our children's minds to think this way. And from a very young age, they start to, to separate a lot of things that, you know, th- that they should be putting their full trust and dependence on God. They start to separate it and, and say that, you know, these are things which I'm going to make decisions for myself, right? And that's why when they start that way, and along the way what's going to happen is, they are, yes, they will have achievements. Achievements in the sense of what the world sees achievements to be. But time will come when there's going to be emptiness. A time will come when they're going to feel that there's no fulfillment. And it's going to be very sad. So how are we aligning our children's hearts? How are we aligning our, our, our children's uh, you know, thinking to be aligned with Scriptures, the, the Word of God, and helping them to put God as their starting point? Right? So this morning... God is asking us to reconsider how we try to make sense of our lives. And I believe that most of us are trying to make sense of our lives because we are bombarded with all kinds of things around us, all kinds of, of uh, circumstances and challenges and, and influences. And we are just trying to make sense of all these things. And I want you to know this. You and I, we were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. I'm going to repeat that again. You and I, we were made by God and for God. Amen? And until we understand that, life will never start to make sense. So as we start to understand and acknowledge that the purpose of our lives begins and ends with God, and this will start to help us appreciate God's greatest commandment, which leads us up to our second point. Our greatest purpose is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the Christian's greatest purpose. To love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Yeah? That's our greatest purpose. Right? And that's why Jesus himself said that that is the greatest commandment. If you remember, one of the religious leaders um, asked Jesus this question, right? What is the most important commandment from God's laws. And we see that in Matthew chapter uh, 22, reading verses 36 to 38. And this is what it says. The, the religious leader asked this, right? Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And what was Jesus' reply? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. Wow. 
You know, for, for some people, right, when we read this command, we, we, we may feel uh, or, or we may fail to appreciate it, right? We, we may even feel a little put off. Hey, why is God demanding love from me? Yeah? Right? Is God so desperate for, for my love, right? And um, so we, we picture God as being someone who, who demands love from us. You know, if I may suggest, the reason why many Christians find it difficult to love God is because we ourselves have failed to grasp how much God loves us. Right? The reason why we find it difficult to love God is because we fail to grasp the extent of God's love for us. You know, perhaps you may be someone who responded to the gospel message because it offered you forgiveness of sins. I think we all responded to the gospel message because, partly because of that, right? Because it offered us forgiveness of sins, okay? And an escape from hell or a ticket to heaven. So once again, the motive for responding and believing in Jesus, for many of us, it has become a very self-centered and self-focused motive. You know, Pastor Stephen and I, we attended... Uh, we attended the EE training in Indonesia, in Malang. And as we were trained, uh, you know, EE asked this question, right? They asked this question, uh, if, you, if you were to die today, right? Are you sure you, you would be in heaven, right? This is the question that they ask. But there was one brother, uh, Brother Nelson, I think you all know Brother Nelson. And Brother Nelson tweaked it because he said that this is a very key part which we need to emphasize, which is not being emphasized. And he tweaked the question and he said, if you were to die today, right, would you be sure that you would be with God in heaven? Many, many of us, we might have responded to the gospel message because, you know, we want a ticket out of, uh, a ticket out of hell. We want a ticket to heaven. But are we truly looking forward to a time when we are going to be spending an eternity with God in heaven. Friend, friend, I want you to know this. The essence and the core of the gospel is this. We are so familiar with John 3.16, right? And we, talk, uh, we, you know, we speak about how Jesus gave up his life for us. But the essence is this. The, the verse begins with, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. And that's the essence. The essence of, of the gospel message is this, for God so loved the world. And this morning, I would like to encourage us to really dig deep and search our hearts. Search our hearts. Perhaps some of us who call ourselves Christians may be in a place where we, we tell ourselves that when we die, we will, we will be going to heaven and we, you know, we, we look forward to that mansion which Jesus has promised us but we miss out on the most beautiful reward, which is an eternity with the loving God who loved us with an everlasting love. And that's why the Apostle Paul understood the importance of being able to comprehend the extent of God's love for us when he wrote this to the Ephesian church. Ephesians, uh, reading from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 to 19. And this is what Paul said. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, 
how high, how deep His love is, and may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, and then you will become or you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And so the, the purposeful life or the abundant life which Jesus promises all of us, I would like to suggest it starts with us comprehending the extent of God's love for us. And so if you are someone who has yet to truly encounter God and experience God's love, I want you to know that today, God loves you very, very much. Right? He loves us very much. We were created in His image. You are His masterpiece. You know, when He looks at you, He looks at you with, through the eyes of pure love. Regardless of what we have done, regardless of what our background is, regardless of what our baggage is, right? God has loved us with an everlasting love. Jeremiah um, 30, 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. And so, friends, brothers and sisters, this morning, it is my prayer that as we as we seek and pursue this purposeful life, let there be a realignment which comes into our hearts. Let, let us allow the everlasting love of God to touch us today. If you are someone who has yet to give your life to Jesus, this morning God is extending His hand out to you. God is saying, My child, I have loved you even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I have already loved you with an everlasting love. I have good plans for you. Plans for a good hope and a future. Plans not to harm you. Would you say yes to Jesus this morning? If you're someone who has yet to give your life to Jesus, He made everything possible through His death and resurrection. The third thing I want us to consider this morning is this, friends. A purposeful life transforms us into the image of Christ. A purposeful life transforms us into the image of Christ. You know, we, we talked about God being the starting point, and we talked about the fact that uh, we need to recognize the extent of how much God loved, loves us so that we can then fulfill our purpose of loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And the third thing is this. A purposeful life transforms us into the image of Christ. And that is one of the most important things that God wants us to, to achieve in our lives, right? Before you can even come to fulfilling your calling, your destiny, and, and, and you know, achieving great things for God, you and I, we were created to become like Jesus, from the very beginning, God's plan has been to make you and I like His Son, Jesus, right? And so we know from Scripture that man was created in the image of God, right? We read this uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, And so God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. When Adam and Eve sinned, and when they suffered spiritual death, they lost the ability to be partakers 
of the divine nature and the holy nature, right? What happened? When they chose to disobey, their spirit man died. So that's why the Bible says we are spiritually dead, right? Our spirits were alive in, in, in God. But when Adam and Eve chose to sin, our, their spirit man died, okay? And, and the image we now walk in as sinful people is incomplete and has been damaged and distorted by sin. Okay, I'm an IT guy, so I'll just give you, a, 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 you know, something to uh, picture, right? Um, just say, for example, you had a software on a thumb drive, okay? You had a software on a thumb drive, and this software was corrupted with the virus, okay? But, but this is the master, this master copy of the software. Now, this master copy, uh, you, you, you say, hey, this is a great software, and then you go and distribute it to your friends, and then your friends go and, uh, and install it on your computers, right? But because the master copy is already corrupted, right? So when duplicates are reproduced, it, it, it gets passed down, correct? So this is what has happened since the time of Adam, right? Okay? So the master copy was corrupted. And so this image, the image has already been corrupted. Can you see that? See, we are made in God's image. It was a perfect image, but the image was corrupted through sin. And so that sin has, 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 has passed down. So, but brothers and sisters, friends, the beautiful truth is this. As believers, right, the blood of Jesus is like the most powerful antivirus. Amen? Yeah? He has come and cleansed us. He has come and restored us. And the Bible says His divine power has given us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness, right? So we lack nothing right now. And so the, that image has already been restored. Okay? And, um, and that's why in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, put on the new nature. Right? You already have a new image. The Holy Spirit has come and He has made Himself one with your spirit. Right? And that's what we call the new birth. Amen? That's what we call the new birth. Your spirit man is brand new right now. The Bible says that we are new creations in him. So put on the new nature, the Apostle Paul says. Created to be, to be what? Wow, this is very powerful. For those of you at home, the verse is on your screen. Put on the new nature, created to be like God. Created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy, right? And I've said this before and i said it again. You know, we uh, Christians, we, we like to use this phrase where when, you know, when we fail, we say, oh, we are only human, lah, right? But, you know, you keep reading scripture after scripture after scripture, the Bible reaffirms us as being in the image of God, as, as you know, having the ability to now walk in, in true righteousness and holiness. And this is what Jesus came to restore, friends. Jesus, when Jesus said he, he has come to restore the kingdom, this was a very big part of it. He came to restore the image of man. The image of man that was corrupted, that was what he came to restore. Amen? Yeah? So a purposeful life would be focused on restoring this new nature through the divine transforming power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Helping us uh, manifest the fruit of the Spirit as we are so familiar 
with the Sunday school Bible, Bible passage from Galatians chapter 5, right? I'm sure that we ask all of us, uh, most of us will be able to recite it by heart, okay? So I want you to know this. Every time that we forget that godly character is one of God's most important purpose for our lives, we will become frustrated by our circumstances. Are you someone who is frustrated by your circumstances today? You know, we will be wondering and asking questions like this. Why is this happening to me? Is, does that sound familiar? Why is this happening to me? Why am I having such a difficult time? God, why are you allowing this to happen? Are you, God, are you really there? Friends, God's ultimate goal for your life and my life on earth is not our comfort. God's ultimate goal for your life and my life on earth is not our comfort, but character development. Right? He wants to develop our characters. Because you see, He has an amazing plan for your future, right? He wants to use you very powerfully. He wants to use you to impact the kingdom. But until we come to a point where we are fully surrendered and our characters are developed, right, we will not be able to fulfill God's ultimate destiny or purpose for our lives. Are you following me? And that, this is why Jesus himself, the Bible said, that he had to learn obedience, right? The Bible says that. I'm not making this up. Go and read your Bible, right? If you have the same Bible as me, this is what the Bible says, that Jesus himself had to learn obedience through the things which he suffered. And so, as, as Jesus fully surrendered, as Jesus yielded himself, as Jesus uh, allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to, to help him walk that righteous life, he was then able to, at that point, at that point of the ultimate temptation in the Garden of Gethsemane, say, Father, not, not my will, but yours be done. Amen. And that's what we need to do as well, friends. That's what we need to do. You know, many Christians misinterpret Jesus' promise of the abundant life to mean a constant, comfortable lifestyle, constant happiness, full realization of our personal dreams, and instant relief from our problems. However, as the Apostle Paul reminded us, you know, the freedom and new life we have through Jesus will and should make us more and more like Jesus himself. I'm going, to, I'm going to read this verse right now. And sometimes we don't see the context of this verse, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Verse 17 is a very familiar verse. It says this, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You remember this verse? Right? But what does it, what does it go on to say? What does it go on to say? It says that, in verse 18 it says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, who is the Spirit, and makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And so this freedom that the, that, that the Bible speaks about, the freedom that we have in the Spirit, is not 
freedom to do whatever we like. It's not, it's, it's not uh, you know, freedom to, to enjoy our lives, but it is, it is the freedom to now be set free from the power of sin and to, to, to be transformed and to come into that new image, the restored image that God wants us to become. Amen? Are you following me? This is a very, very important thing for us to consider, right? You know, we sang the song just now, and, and you know, as we were singing that song, that, that new song, uh, you know, I, I just penned down the words. And this is what the song says. Did you mean it when you sang it just now? In the crushing, in the pressing, He is making new wine. As we surrender, He is breaking new ground. When we yield to Him and His careful hand, when we trust Him, the song says we don't need to understand. May it be our prayer. May, make me your vessel. Make me an offering. That's what we sang just now. Make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want to be. You want me to be. Was that really your heart prayer just now as, as you sang that song? What are we holding on to which we need to surrender so that we can start living out this purposeful life? So brothers and sisters, may, may this be our highest goal, right? As we pursue the purposeful life. To allow God to continue molding us, shaping us, to allow the Holy Spirit's power to transform us into becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And for this to happen, we have to be very intentional in the time that we spend with Jesus, right? Our prayer life, our, our times of worship, not just on a Sunday when you come, reading the Word of God. Because how do we renew our minds? It's through meditating on the Word of God. And all these spiritual disciplines are very important. Would we prior, start reprioritizing our lives and center it Center it by having this intimate walk with Jesus. And this is what God is asking us to do today. And the fourth and final thing is this. A purposeful life is one lived for others. A purposeful life is one lived for others. You know, we, we spoke about God being the starting point. We spoke about how uh, we ought to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And that can only happen as you recognize and understand and comprehend the love of God for, for you. We spoke about the fact that the purposeful life requires us to be transformed into the image of, of Christ, into the original image. And finally, as we allow that to happen, can you see the sequence, right? That, that sequence needs to follow, right? You have to Start off with God being the center. Amen? Then you have to allow the love of God to touch you so that you are able to love God. Then, from there, you allow God to shape you and mold you and transform you into His image. And only then can we reach to this fourth point, right? Where it says that the, a purposeful life is one lived for others. Okay? So, so in the same account in Matthew 22... In, in, in response to the religious leader, we, we, we read that verse earlier, right? In response to the religious leader, 
Jesus said an equally important uh, command was to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right? Matthew 22, 39. It's on the screen. Matthew 22, verse 39. A second is equally important. No, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say that this is, uh, this is less important. Wow, isn't that profound? Sometimes we, we get it wrong. We, we, we feel that loving God is enough, right? Loving God is enough. Meaning to say that, okay, loving our neighbor, okay, like important, but it's second, you know, it's second. But this is not what Jesus said. What did he say? He said a, a second is equally important, right? But I want you to get this. We cannot fulfill this until we have fulfilled, you know, uh, having God in the center, until we have fulfilled loving God and recognizing His love for us, until we start to be transformed out of our selfishness, out of, you know, uh, the, the, the sins of our lives by being, being transformed into the image of Christ. Only, only when we have gone through that process will we be able to do this, brothers and sisters, okay? And so we love others when we love God most. What do I mean by this? We love others best when we love God most. Have you noticed the times when your quiet time is dry and you have started to stray away from God? And those are the times that you feel least inclined to selflessly love others. You know, I know it's very true of myself. When I go through more, uh, periods when I struggle at work and you know, uh, I'm very distracted and you know, I have so much going on in my life and I just uh, have been missing my time with God. I'm just not drawing from, from Him. I'm not connecting to His love. I'm not allowing uh, you know, the Holy Spirit to, to speak to me and, and correct me in, in areas of my life. right? And this is the time I feel the, the least inclined to selflessly love others. Right? And those are the times that uh, if, if you're like me, you start wallowing in self-pity and you start wallowing in self-focus. Right? And these are the things which, which, uh, which happen to me. Okay? So as children of God, carrying the very nature of a loving God who gave of His very best selflessly, we are called to walk in this nature of selfless love. Right? We are called to walk in this nature of selfless love. And so without purposefully allowing the transforming power of God to change us into the image of Christ, as I said, we will not be able to achieve this. Okay? Brothers and sisters, friends, you know, when you, when you walk around, when you go into your, your workplaces, you know, your, the, the homes of your relatives, your friends, your family, when you go out to the streets, when you see uh, you know, people going to the mosques, the temples, when you see uh, you know, uh, people in society around you, how do you look at them? Do you look at them through the eyes of Jesus? Or do you look at them through the eyes of you know, the, the, the way that you have started to perceive the world and perceive people through our own lenses, right? We have our own lenses sometimes, our own prejudices, things which distort the way we see people. Or, or are we able to see individuals as being made in the image of Christ, right? Yes, the person might, might not be someone that 
is lovable. But when we look at them, just as Jesus, when, when he saw the, the woman who committed adultery, right? Or, or, or when he went to, the, uh, to, to Samaria and he, and, and, and he met the, the, the Samaritan woman, right? He knew their past, but he was able to, to see them through the eyes of love. And he saw them as being someone who was made in the image of, of Christ. Are we able to start looking at people through the eyes of Jesus? That's the question that God is asking us today. If you are going to be able to, if, if, if you are going to be able to have a purposeful life, one that is lived out for others, we need to start looking at people through the eyes of Jesus. Amen? Yeah? So today I want you to know that God has already given us every spiritual gift and every resource that we need for this purpose, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, part B, right? 1 Corinthians 4, 7b. And this is what it says. What do you have that God hasn't given you? What do you have that God hasn't given you? You know, everything we have comes from God. Amen? And if everything you have is from God, why do we boast as though it were not a gift? And so, friends, in closing... When our every breath is a gift from God, there's really nothing left to give that hasn't been given to us first. Think about it. When our every breath is a gift from God, your family is a gift from God. Your family doesn't belong to you. My family doesn't belong to me, right? Sometimes we hold on so closely to our family and, uh, you know, uh, they become our, they, they almost become like, like idols in our lives, right? We need to hold on to the things that God has given us loosely while allowing God to use them in the ways that He wants so that we can be a blessing to others. Amen? Yeah. So whatever resources you have, your finances, your family, your, your, your natural talents, your spiritual gifts, right? your intellect, even your health, everything comes from God. And so today... In, in pursuing the purposeful life, we need to recognize this, right? We are to be stewards of these things, using it for the kingdom. In closing today, I'm not going to give you a summary of pointers to take away. But instead, I'm going to leave you with these questions as reflections. Okay? There are going to be four questions as reflections. There are going to be four takeaways, but the takeaways are not points. I want, as I said from the beginning... I wanted this message to be a message of reflection, right? So takeaway number one is this. And if you have your phones with you at home, right? Or if you're using your phone, take a, take a screenshot. I want you to take down these questions. And through the week, I want us to reflect on these questions, ponder on these questions, allow the Holy Spirit to start stirring things in our hearts as we respond because this is the time, church. This is the time, brothers and sisters. God wants to use us in a much greater way. But in order for us to do that, we first need to take these steps of realignment. So take away one. Have I made God my starting point? Have I made God my starting point? What do I need to realign in my life for this to happen? 
What do I need to realign? What are the things that you need to realign? I need to realign in my life so that God now becomes the starting point, right? If if you have gone off track, it's not too late. You can come back and make God your starting point. Will it cost you? Will it cost me? Will there be things that we need to give up? Will there be will there be a price that we need to pay certainly? But these are things which are well worth it if we are going to pursue the purposeful life. Amen. Point number two, takeaway number two is this. Have I fully grasped the extent of God's love for me? Have you fully grasped the extent of God's love for you? Do you know how much God loves you? Is eternity spent with God in heaven what I long for the most? Is that what you're looking for the most? Or are the other things, the things of the world and and uh, perhaps even uh, the reward in heaven, the mansion in heaven that Jesus spoke about, is that what you're looking forward to more than, than spending time with God, being able to, to just be in the presence of the loving God? And as I ask you this question, I'm asking myself this question as well. These are hard questions for us to answer, right? Is that what you're looking for the most, friend? The third thing is this. Have I made it one of my life's goals to avoid suffering at the expense of being transformed into the image of Christ? Have you made it one of your life goals to avoid suffering at all costs? It's, it's a natural tendency, right? We, we all want to avoid suffering as much as possible. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what, what did He say? Father, if it's possible, please take this cup from me, right? So suffering is not pleasant. But have we, have we made it, um, you know, our life's goal to avoid suffering at all costs, even if it means that it's going to stop us from being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ? So what needs to change? What needs to change in our lives? So that, you know, we can, we can come to a point of full surrender and say, God, just like the Lord Jesus, God, if it's possible, take this from me. But if not, let your will be done in my life. Point number four is this. Takeaway four is this. Do I really recognize all that I have comes from God? And how have I been, been using God's gifts and resources effectively in being a blessing to others? How have I been using God's gifts and resources effectively in being a blessing to others? Or have we been hoarding? And, or, or have we, perhaps, you, perhaps you have had two buckets and you say, oh, all this is mine. But these things I'm willing to use for God, right? These things I'm willing to use for God. But these things, no, they belong to me. I worked hard for it, right? I'm not willing to give these things up. So how, what is your response going to be today, church? I pray that today's message has really stirred up a fresh zeal in you to pursue the purposeful life which God has called us to. You know, for those of you, as I said earlier, if you who, who have yet to receive Jesus, if you want this purposeful life, you can have it as well. Today, you just need to come to Jesus and confess your sins to Him. You need to say, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. Jesus, I know that you died on the cross. I know that 
that your blood that was shed on the cross cleanses me of my sins. Lord Jesus, I want to turn away from the way I've lived in the past. I want this abundant life. I'm coming to you right now. I'm surrendering my life to you, Jesus. Would you come and make your home in me? If you are responding to the message today and you want to give your life to Jesus, don't procrastinate. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can receive this, this abundant life. You can receive this purposeful life. You can start walking a new life. You can start walking a new life or purpose which is going to bring so much joy and meaning to you. Hallelujah.